Welcome back to the Black Girl Business Bar podcast, a podcast for Black entrepreneurial women who crave practical information. I'm Khalida DuBose, and in this podcast, I want Black women to know what's possible. Today, that means upping your email marketing game, and I have the perfect guest to discuss this with me. Iman Ismail is the founder of UK-based Ink House, and she's the person you call when you want to make money from your emails. She's a copywriter, an email conversion strategist, and she focuses on helping six-figure online business owners and e-commerce brands evergreen their sales and turn fans into superfans. She's worked with powerhouses like Emily Thompson from Bing Boss, Joanna Wiebe from Copy Hackers, and Belinda Weber from the Hot Copy Podcast. She also holds regular copywriting workshops in partnership with Lloyd's Business Bank. It's such a pleasure to have her here. Welcome to the Black Girl Business Bar, Iman. Hi, thank you so much for having me. And I love that bio. So thank you for that. Awesome. Awesome. I was like, I hope I get this right. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I had to slow down with the email conversion strategies. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Well, you did it. Thank you. Right. Sometimes my tongue just wants to trip over those words, even though they make complete sense. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not just you. It happens all the time. <laughs> right. So just to give our audience a little bit of idea of how we met. So we, I actually became aware of you when we were on a panel in October for Black History Month UK. And uh, that was being hosted by Naima Robert. And yeah, that's when Iman came into my life. <laughs> I've been fangirling her ever since. <laughs> I absolutely love going to your page. There are not too many Instagram pages out there that I will like actually go to and look at like, what are they doing this week? <laughs> you know? Oh, that's so nice to know. Right. I get Thank so you. much strategy from you, you know, and as a coach, I know that like, you can't really get like full strategy from somebody. You can't like really look at what they did on a post and reverse engineer. But I think I'm, I know enough to be like, oh, I like the way she did that, you know? So, um, thank you. Yeah. So, and, thank you. You're talking about my Instagram, right? Yeah, your Instagram. Oh, also oh, your newsletter. You. I'm on that too. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I get that too. Good. Those are like my two main places where I really like, I really try like also my Instagram. Um, and it, it feels like less effort with Instagram because I, I love stories. So I'm always just like, telling my life story on stories right? <laughs> and then my, my newsletter as well. Like I, I try to be really consistent in emailing every week. So I love that you have picked up on that. Thank you. No, I love it so much. And, uh, you know, people might know by now, like I, when I was at university, I was trained as a journalist. So, and I was also an editor for part of my life. So a lot of times I notice people's copy first, even though I feel like my mm -hmm. copy sometimes is rubbish. <laughs> I just, I'm like noticing everybody else's, right? <laughs> but um, no, I yeah, I totally understand. Right. So, okay. We won't take all the time. Let's hop into it. First question I want to ask you is what do you call yourself like as a business owner or do you go with entrepreneur or what do you call yourself? Oh, that is such a good question. I call myself a business owner. And I think like, I, it's so weird because I've been a business owner for nearly three years now, but I still like cringe a little bit when I say that. Um, someone asked me the other day what I do and I said, oh yeah, I have my own business. And again, I still felt that like little cringe and I don't know why. <laughs> right. Because I really am like, I'm a real business owner, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't, is it, I don't know, like what, I don't know what is it, what it is that I expect them to say or think like. 
what is it about that? I think maybe it's, if I said online business owner, that like that might feel more aligned with me because I think maybe I'm imagining that people think that like I don't have like a store or something you know right so I think of myself as a business owner like internally but when I speak I I feel like online business owner is what feels good um although I think people still find it really weird that I don't you know that you know that you don't have like a thing to sell like it's not a tangible thing that you can touch in your hands they're like really you make money from the internet. Right. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I feel like within like my communities and we probably have similar communities being Muslim women that, yeah, that's a big thing. People are like, well, what do you sell? I'm like my services. And they're like, like, no, who's going to pay you to like, tell them what to do. <laughs> like, I don't tell people mm-hmm. what to do. Like there's a whole like strategy and mentorship and so it's really hard for some people to understand. Um, and so, yeah. yeah, I think that leaks in. But I feel like for me, so I asked you this question because a few months ago, I was talking to another woman who actually does sell products. She sells dresses and she's a Muslim. And she was like, I hate the word entrepreneur. It just is so sleazy. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> so now I just want to ask everybody. <laughs> yeah, I have a thing about I have a thing with entrepreneur. I'm going to be honest. I feel like, I don't know, when you say entrepreneur, I'm I'm imagining like someone who is like making their millions. Firstly, I don't know, maybe that's completely wrong. And then also like an entrepreneur for me is someone who is doing loads of things at the same time, like multiple. I don't know. Maybe that's wrong though, because I know some some people would call that a serial entrepreneur. But I feel like an entrepreneur is someone who has like started a business, failed and started another one and then and then failed and then succeeded in another and failed in another, you know? I don't know. I don't know if I I don't fit comfortably into that label. I will tell you that when I was doing audience research for my own audience, like when I was rebranding, repositioning, redoing my entire website. I went back to basics and I started interviewing my ideal clients. And one of the questions I asked them was, what do you call yourself? Because I thought they all called themselves entrepreneurs. And I was getting ready to write a website that was like, I help entrepreneurs. Turns out none of them call themselves entrepreneurs. And these are women who are making six, seven plus figures in their businesses. And they don't see themselves as entrepreneurs. They see themselves as online business owners. Because I think for them too, there was there were all these like icky associations with the idea of calling themselves an entrepreneur. And I think honestly, entrepreneurialism has had a bad rap re- in recent times because of, I don't know if it's because of bro marketers and all that scene and people, you know, feeling like entrepreneurs are like your friend said, sleazy and just trying to take your money and not really, you know, caring about you, that kind of thing. There's definitely a thing with that word. I feel it. I can't fully describe it. Right. So, you know, my big thing is, is like anytime I, a word doesn't sit right with me, I'm so nerdy. Like I'll go look it up and be like, what does this actually mean? Um, right. This is why on my Instagram, a lot of times I'll have like these, what I call like alphabet soup post, (laughs) like, like how I think about a word. Right. Um, or mm-hmm. what it could mean to me. And I'll like put different meanings, but, um, yeah, like entrepreneurs. So to me, it's very masculine, you know? And I think from what I've been able to understand with women, they just kind of shy away from it. Not that we don't have masculine energy, but you know, women are kind of like, I don't want to be called an entrepreneur. And I 
think it's funny because I always like I've worked in entrepreneurial spaces and I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely an entrepreneur. I'm sorry, but I'm making money from like no money. <laughs> like I made oh, I money that. from like nothing. So yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and all of the things that you have to do behind the scene, like just to make a business run and all of the high level strategizing, and then you have to bring it down to like, you know, the step-by-step process. Right. I'm like, I'm definitely an entrepreneur and you know, I'm not married and I'm an entrepreneur who doesn't have somebody behind me, like supporting me. Whereas like a lot Mm -hmm. of guys, like a lot of male entrepreneurs, even my brother, you know, they have wives who are like at home Mm -hmm. supporting things, picking up their dry cleaning and stuff like that. And like with, with, uh, I mean, I remember joking with my sister, like, I just need a husband and I'll just be like, or I told her, I just need a wife and I'll be the perfect entrepreneur, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and everybody was like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah, it just means somebody to like support me because let's be real. Your wife is half of your success in (laughs) entrepreneurship. It's so true. Right. Okay. So, I mean, you said so many things that I want to pick up on, but the first thing is you're so right. So I was having a conversation with someone just yesterday about Jeff Bezos's wife, who obviously earned all that money. Um, she made herself all that money, whatever. And, and, and I think she was in the papers again, because she just donated like 2.6 billion to various foundations and charities and stuff. And the person I was talking to was like, well, you know, she didn't really make that money. She, got it from her divorce you know you just need to marry a rich man and I was like listen while he was out there making his money she was looking after the kids she birthed was it four kids and was taking care of the kids and whatever else and the person was like yeah I mean really you really think they didn't have a nanny I'm like I don't care what they had okay she was a mother to four children there is no way that he could have reached that level of success without her support so I say she takes all the money. Take it all. Right. And I'm I'm huge. <laughs> she deserves it. I'm huge in that, especially because I work with women. I'm just really big on reminding them, you know, such a huge role that they play, not only in their own businesses, but also like in society and with their children. And this is big stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. like you're not just having kids, but then you're like managing a household. And I happen to live with my sister right now and I see it. You know, I see it. My sister, like by profession, she was trained as an accountant and worked for big four, took a step back because she had a baby 15 months ago. And I see her, I see her managing with my nephew and just all the time she's putting into him to make sure he comes out a really good human being (laughs) and then running the house and cooking dinner. And like sometimes cooking dinner every night makes me nervous. I'm like, why are you cooking again? (laughs) Like I have a family to take care of. I'm like, but do they need to eat every night? She's like, yes, they do need to eat every night. (laughs) <laughs> you know? I, oh when gosh. I'm by myself, I'm like a bachelor. I'm like, there's no food in the fridge. Oh no. <laughs> you know, like there's like bread and peanut butter. I'm like, oh, that's good enough. So no, I, I totally relate. I mean, currently coaching a group of 12 copywriters who have joined my new mastermind. Yes. Can't wait and to talk about that. <laughs> yes. And one of the conversations I was having just this morning with one of them was, you know, she was figuring out her income goals and what she wanted to make. And she had this amazing realization while she was, you know, figuring this out. She was like, well, actually, I also take care of two kids for a lot of the week. And I also manage the household and do a whole lot. And so really, 
you know, she she's at the she's at the heart of the household, keeping everything running. And she said something like, you know, if I were to be paid for the work that I do at home, it would range into the you know hundred hundred and fifty k a year range, right? So it's so true, and it's just so important to value as women, like like you said, the various roles that we have. Um, and I I have a five year old son, and I'm expecting. I'm six months pregnant at the moment oh, yeah. with my second. So excited. Yes, I know. And so it's it's been a lot. It's been a lot for me because um, my son was two when I started my business. So, you know, um, I know a lot of business owners that have the experience of, you know, they start their business and then they have kids, which I think is a very difficult experience. But that's definitely one experience. And then a separate experience is, having having kids or having a kid and deciding to start a business and that is a whole journey in itself right I think that's going to be me like uh (laughs) what do I do now I have embraced the idea of help that's that's where that goes so (laughs) all right so awesome awesome I know we kind of got into it but I really love to ask that question because I'm really interested to know and yeah as I do my own audience research from time to time I also want to know that question working with women like how do you identify yourself because sometimes I feel like we just get put in buckets and we're just told how to identify and then other times Mm -hmm. we have an aversion to something because it represents something else you know and I think a lot of us grew up seeing men on tv who didn't look like us and they were considered entrepreneurs because they had certain amount of success. Now we're all behind that curtain a little bit and we're like, oh, so they weren't as successful as we thought. Probably not until like a Mm. decade in, right? (laughs) So, but that's okay. All right. So tell us how you got into online business ownership. I won't say entrepreneurship. Um, (laughs) Tell us, just give us some background on how you got into that. And did you have one of those moments where you're like, nope, I have to do my own thing? Yes. Absolutely. You know, it's so funny because even as like an adolescent, like teen, when people would be thinking about their careers and like what they wanted to do, I always knew that it wouldn't be something traditional or conventional because the idea of it just bored me. And I mean, I have been working since I was 13. Like I started working with my, for my dad, like, you know, um, not, you know, unofficially, right? So I used to work for my dad at like 13, 14, 15, make some money on the side, that kind of thing. And then when I got to 16, when it was like actually legal for me to work (laughs) and like officially work, I started, I got my first part-time job and I loved it. I loved it. And honestly, I just, I loved making money. Um, And so for me, it was always like, I just I love making money and I love being able to be that friend who like we'd go out and my friend and my friend would be like I don't have any money I'm like don't worry about it it's fine (laughs) you know (laughs) we're all good and just being able to do things like not being restricted in what I was able to do because I had the finances and you know I worked hard for it I was I was I was going to college five days a week and then um and in in the UK by the way college is like is is 16 to 18 before university college (laughs) so I was like yeah so I was I was basically in school five days a week and then working Saturday Sunday and then often work weekends as well for like overtime and you know I just love making money and I just I never knew what I wanted to do even when I graduated I still didn't know what I wanted to do and I remember feeling I remember feeling lost as like as all my friends got big jobs in 
you know, big banks and, you know, we're getting big wages and I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I kind of just drifted for a while. Um, and I ended up in this role, um, where I was, I was running the communications department for a charity. It was a food charity, um, a Muslim food charity actually. And I had a, I had a great experience there. I learned so much there. Um, but a few things. So I, I wasn't being paid very much, which at the beginning didn't really matter too much to me. And then I think once I, once I just realized how much time and energy I was putting into this, like, I mean, I was working evenings and weekends and, and, and I was commuting, um, about an hour. Um, so at at least two hours every day, basically. And I would wake up at, you know, 5am, 6am and I would drop my son off at nursery because he would have been about two and I wouldn't get home till 8pm. So I was, I was like, it was a full on, like I was out for 12 hours. I had to hire a childminder to go pick my son up from school and bring him home. Um, and then I would get home later and I got to a point where I just thought, I don't know why I'm doing this anymore. Um, and it was interesting because this was again a Muslim charity, so there was very much the com- the conversation and the rhetoric around me was like, "This is God's work, you know. This is God's work. You have to make sacrifices. These are just things that you know you have to live with. Um, you know, not being paid very much. It's God's work, so it's fine. Um, you know, you don't see your family like you're sacrificing time with your family. You don't see your son. Well, this is God's work, so you know." that's it. God will be happy with you. And I just remember thinking like, you know what? None of that really washes with me. Like I'm not, this doesn't feel right to me because firstly, I feel like what God wants from me is to take care of my son first and foremost. (laughs) And I took, I took that job because I wanted to take care of my son. I wanted to give him a better life. Right. And it got to the point where it was like, I'm not seeing him anymore. I get home and he'd be asleep on the couch because he would wait up or he would try to wait, wait up for me every single day and couldn't because he was only two and he'd end up falling asleep on the couch. And I I got really depressed and down and I was just so sad. Um, and I just, I felt stuck, like completely stuck and didn't know how to get out of this. And I remember feeling like, I feel like what God wants from me is to be with my son more. That's what I want. That's where my heart is. And he is my priority first and foremost. Like, I don't know, maybe, okay, maybe this is going to sound terrible. Um, but I felt like, how can I give so much time to other people? Like, if you're telling me this is God's work and this is charity work and this is where I need to be, I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't, that doesn't feel right because my own family isn't getting what they need from me. How can I be giving to others when my own family isn't getting what they need from me? Right. And so, it was it was really hard, and um, in the end, I decided to. I did ask about I did ask about working from home more, so I didn't have to commute. And um, I was told no. Basically, I asked for a pay rise, and I was told eventually. And I was like, okay, no, I'm done. So I resigned, and I had no backup job. I had no savings. Um, as I left, I had like the money that came in from that final paycheck, and. I knew that I wanted to start my own business and I had already tried to start this business two times before and had failed actually. Oh wow! And then this time it just felt really different. And I felt like I now don't have a choice. Like this has to work. This has to succeed. I have a son now and I am so ready to build my own business so that I can be the mom that I want to be for him, take him to school every day and pick him up every day. And, um, you know, 
join him for his like little trips that they have in the middle of the week and you know, not have to ask permission even things like when he needs to go to the doctors not having to ask a manager to take my son to the doctors like it just felt so backwards I don't know like and then I just started feeling like maybe there's something wrong with me because everybody else seems to be happy with the nine to five and I'm like this is a nightmare that I need to get out of <laughs> so, so eventually <laughs> Oh, alhamdulillah, I got out of it. And um and I and I started building Ink House, my copywriting business now. And it's taken lots of, you know, um well, I've been doing it nearly three years now. And it's definitely taken some twists and turns and there have been whew, highs and lows, feast and famine cycles. Um and it has been a real, a real journey. But I feel like I have created, thanks to God, the the flexibility that I wanted for my family life and um, just being able to even just before COVID like travel so much more Mm -hmm. and you know my son takes all this stuff for granted that like I'm able to pick him up and you know go to his go on his school trips and take him on holiday randomly right Um, and I love that he can take that for granted because it makes me appreciate and remember how hard it was to get to that point and and how so many people want that and don't have it. Like I have so much to be grateful for. Oh my God. You said so many things and I'm like, yes. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> kudos for owning your well your 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 own time and your worth. Because I completely know I I mean, I know this isn't everybody's story, but I completely understand what you mean by like going to your superiors and saying, hey, this is not working for me. I'm not being paid enough. <laughs> and then them saying, oh, yeah, well, no, we don't think you deserve this or you're not at this place yet or no, we can't be flexible with you. And yeah, I love that, you know, your son gets to experience these things because I'm really huge on modeling things. I'm the type of person who I think back to my childhood and I'm like, I'm able to do things easily that were modeled to me. Even if the person never said anything to me, I can do that. So entrepreneurship, I believe in it. And, you know, I think it's wonderful that he gets to see you doing this from the start of his life, basically, because now he'll know there's a choice. He can decide to work for somebody or he can decide to work for himself. And it's a choice and it'd be normal. You know, it won't be like this all the self-doubt that we go through and we're like, Oh, am I crazy? You know, I like, I like what you said about like, is it just me? Because everybody else seems to be happy with this. It's like not, nobody's happy with that. What it is is that you were bold enough to say, this isn't working for me. I do. I want to know like, what gave you the confidence? Cause you said you started this business. You tried to start twice, which something mm-hmm. I can relate to too. And this third time it made it stick. So what, what was kind of the difference in like, in your lives at, the, at that those points, mindset and things like that? I remember the first two times, like not really believing that I could do it. And, and I remember looking up to a lot of the Muslim women writers that are really well known, like Naima B. Robert, like um, Brooke Benoit, um, there's Janet Kozak as well. All of these people who were Muslim women, hijabis or niqabis in, in Naima's case, who were just really rocking the writing world and showing me that you could be a Muslim hijabi business owner 
And I remember really looking up to them and thinking, wow, they did it. They, they're doing it. So maybe I can. But I, I just, I still, I just didn't believe that I could. I really didn't. And even when, like, even the second time when I decided to kind of try, I was still applying for jobs elsewhere and like applying for, for full-time roles here and there, which is how I ended up in the charity job. And when it came to this time round, the third time, I was all in. Maybe that's what it, maybe that's what the difference was. I really was all in. Like there was no applying for any other roles. Um, and and it's actually, it's so funny because that's when the roles started coming to me. Like people were coming to me and asking me like, hey, you know, can we hire you? Can we just hire you full time as a copywriter or a marketing, whatever? And I remember thinking about it and thinking about it. And then, and this was really early days. So the first like month or so when I wasn't making I mean, I just literally, I did, I did, I checked recently. I went back three years prior and saw in my first month of business, I made 230 pounds, which is about $300-ish, right? And um, I, I really wasn't making that much money. But I remember people asking me to consider a full-time position and me saying no, and just really feeling like I need to give this a chance. I, I, I need to give myself a real chance to do this. And if it fails and I put everything into it and I put my all into it, then okay. But I can't keep trying it like half-heartedly. And then, you know, and, and just keep coming back to it because I kept coming back to it. And so it felt like this is what I really wanted to do and this is what I was supposed to do. And it's like, just give yourself a chance. Do not take any other roles, you know? Um, and, and, and then of course there was the fact that I had my son and that was huge. And it was like, okay, this is, I really, I really, really felt disillusioned um, by the idea of working for someone else. I really knew that in order to be the mom that I wanted to be, that I needed to be in control of my time and my schedule and my work week. And yeah, I just love, I live for that flexibility. I live, I live for that freedom. And so it felt like this is this is your chance like this is your chance and at the time as well I was in a really good position where I just felt like this is the best time to do it and if I don't do it now I'm never gonna do it right it's gonna take so much time to come back to it you know like mm -hmm. if I stop again I've, I always say if I stop again how long is it gonna take me to build momentum again you know um, yeah. because for sure, I think I went through a similar cycle of just feeling so burned out and being like, I cannot work for another person. I cannot be asked to move to another city that doesn't host any diversity. And I just live and work and live and work. And I was on call a lot because I was in medical sales before I left. Mm. And then in the interim, being so afraid and still interviewing in medical sales, but then pulling back and then working for like a Muslim organization as well. And just, it was a beautiful experience, got so much experience. And it, it was actually really what gave me the confidence to finally hop into entrepreneurship because I got to see the behind the scenes of a startup, you know, and thinking, okay, I think I can do this. It's going to be a lot of work. And I wasn't even trying to do anything on that scale, but just, you know, seeing that and being like, okay, maybe, maybe this time, but there's this, I feel like there is this point that every person who wants to own their own business gets to where they're like, you know what? I'm burning all the bridges behind me. 
I'm not going backwards, <laughs> you know? And it sounds like mm-hmm. your son and just wanting that flexibility and freedom, it was kind of your moment like that. Like, I'm just, I'm not doing that anymore. And I love the idea of you saying, I'm just going to give myself a chance. I'm just going to, because for me, I said, I better fail before I do anything else. I better fail at this before I ever do anything else. Like I will be so proud of myself if I'm in the ditch and I'm like, oh my God, what happened? I failed rather than being like, okay, I took the the safe way out and didn't believe in myself again. So totally much respect hats off to that or hijab off to that. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about, I know we, we haven't even dived into like copy, you know, like, cause everything I love about what I've seen from you is just the beauty of all your copy and how, like how strategic you are as a business person. It's just, it's so mind, and I want people to hear about it, you know, but before we hop into that a little bit, because I really want to show people that entrepreneurship or owning your business online is doable and everybody comes from circumstances Let's talk a little bit about investment, okay? Because I know like as a new copy writer, somebody who's just like, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for my own business and I was doing something else. What did you have to invest in yourself or in your business in terms of time, maybe, or whatever? What I should just ask you, what kind of investments did you make to get to the point where you're at today? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Okay, so... um. So to give you a picture of like where I am today, because and I have a good kind of idea of what's going on in my finances, which is great because I just did like all my tax returns. (laughs) What a nightmare. Um, So this year, in the past year, in terms of business expenses, which most of that, the majority is courses, masterminds, training, educational stuff to really um, to get me to where I want to be. I, I spent like, like a lot, like double, um, five figures, five figures on investments in me and my business just this year alone. Um, I'm not particularly low five figures as well. And when you compare that to last year, I spent like, I don't know, a fifth of that. So little. And it's so interesting to me that this past year, my business has grown. Um, well, my revenue increased by 258%. Thank God, just this year. And so it's crazy to me that the year in which I spent the most I've ever in my life spent on anything, like, um, you know, really investing in myself is also the year that I made the most money. And that is not a coincidence. Right. <laughs> I have seen so clearly Every time I invest in myself, the money just comes right back to me. And I think I don't want to make that sound easy because it's not easy because you really have to be an implementer. Like you can't just be taking courses and trainings and masterminds and whatever else and just feel like this is magically going to help you. You have to do the work on the other side of it, you know. But I am a really big believer in investing in yourself. And one of the very first investments I made back in... November 2018. So I started my business in September 2018. And from September and October, it was really funny because I never had an issue getting clients. 
I was pretty much like booked up working with clients. The problem was that I was still earning very, very little, very little. And I quickly realized that if this continued, the business would not succeed. And I knew that I needed help with pricing. And I knew that I had a lot of money mindset issues that I needed help with. And so one of the first things I invested in was after investing in FreshBooks, <laughs> my invoicing system, so I could send invoices and make money. And I invested in a coach. And that was something like $30 a month. And the, the value that, that I got from that coach was just immense. And just the confidence that it gave me. Within four months, I'd quadrupled my rates. And within, I don't know, by April, um, I was, I had high, really high months of like, I don't know, I don't know, like $5,000 months. Um, and, but then of course it was like, I had really, really low months where I made like, I don't know, a thousand dollars a month. So it would go like, like really well one month. And then I'd be like in a low the next month. And that in itself was an issue. And, and that became, that became my next goal. So I was like, okay, I know I can make $5,000 a month. How do I make $5,000 a month consistently every single month? How do I do that? And so, um, that's where my goal kind of shifted. And then once, once, you know, $5,000 a month was, was the goal. The next goal was, you know, $10,000 a month and kind of going up like that. And it was always though, it was always about how can I make this sustainable? How can I make it consistent? And I always found myself in a cycle of burnout as well, where I was exhausted. And I remember thinking, like, I've never worked this hard for anyone else in my life. <laughs> I've never given my, like, so much of myself to another boss, right? And then it came to my business and I'm, I'm like, okay, this is, this is a lot of work. And so certainly over the past year, there's two focuses that I've had. The first one has been just being the best copywriter that I can be, like in terms of technically and skill and like honing my craft. That was so important to me because um, I, I just, I take pride in what I do and I really love what I do and I'm kind of competitive. So when I do it, I want to be one of the best, if not the best. And so I promised myself that I would dedicate like a year of just learning how to write better copy. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of copywriters make so most people who go into copywriting are, are very naturally good at writing. And that's why they became copywriters, right? Because not, writing comes easily to them. But copywriting is like no other writing. It's not like novel writing or, I don't know, creative writing or any other type of, even like journalistic writing is Definitely very, not. very different. It is, right. Yeah, it is a mixture of, of, you know, psychology and persuasion and marketing and sales and and storytelling as well so there is that creative element but there's so so much involved and thinking that it's you know that you being a good writer naturally is going to make you a good copywriter is one of the biggest mistakes that copywriters make and so they often don't invest in their training as a copywriter and so I didn't want to make that mistake and I spent all of last year and and even this year even some of this year I've been focusing on getting better at copywriting and being the best email strategist and copywriter I can be and then I joined also the, the I made the biggest investment that I've made in, in, in any kind of educational um, investment kind of settings and joined a mastermind that has been transformational 
transformational. I will say that, you know, for a long time, I devoured free content, free groups, free memberships, free masterminds, even then, uh, sorry, not free masterminds, you know, just free, whatever it could be. And then even like the membership that I was in was very kind of low value membership in terms of price, not in terms of what it was giving me, but in terms of price. And, you know, they just, they get to, they get, you get to a point where you have to start spending money to make money. And there is just no way to get around it because the best knowledge and, you know, information is locked away behind someone's paid content. And so it should be because these people have worked years and years to learn what they know. And God knows how much money they've spent to learn what they know, right? And so the best, the best information, like the information that's going to get you to the place where you want to be is behind someone's paid, whatever it is, course, mastermind, training, etc. And so I'm a huge, huge um, advocate of, of investing in yourself and your business, even in like tools and software and things like that. And that help you, you know, automate your business and help you be at your laptop less. Um, and help you run a smooth business that allows you to charge your clients more. Because when you run a smooth business and you come across as a professional, your clients are going to be happy to pay you more, as opposed to a scrappy kind of business owner who is, you know, unable to invest in their own business and clients can see that, right? I think it's it's so important. And I know that not everyone is in the position to be able to. I certainly wasn't. I remember... Um, for one course that I knew I really needed to do and wanted to do so bad, I remember asking my mom for a loan and paying her back in installments um, because I was just like, I need, I know I need to do this course. And I did it and it definitely 100% helped me get more you know, projects, more clients. And I was able to pay my mom back in kind of slow installments. So I think also being like creative in you know, how you make it happen, that can be great too. Right. I I mean, yes to so many things that you said. And, you know, I really love, you know, to point out that investment can be very much, you know, kind of a journey and tiered over time. Same thing, like when you're when you're just starting out, I was the same way. I consumed a lot, but I really tried to consume in a purposeful manner and it didn't always work. Sometimes I would get inundated and overwhelmed with (laughs) everything I was consuming, but I tried to think of this as like, I don't know what I don't know yet. So let me just consume some of the free stuff and like figure out what it is that's like resonating with me, what it, what it is that I want to do. And I got somewhat of shiny object syndrome a little bit mm-hmm. and I bought courses and things like that, but I don't regret any of it because every single thing I purchased, I did it. And it didn't always work out on the other end the way I thought, but I learned so much And everything I've learned, I've literally used with clients. With you, I love it because you write copy for customers and you're investing in yourself so that you can give customers the best copy, the best experience. Me personally, I have no problem spending money. None. If I have it, I'll spend it. Not everybody's Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, Many people aren't like that. Most of my family's not like that. (laughs) In fact, I have to usually hide most investments that I do from my family until they start yes. taking root because they freak out. They're like, no, you spent how much? But you're so smart. You can do it on your own. I'm like, I'm not that smart and I can't always do everything on my own. <laughs> but thank you for the compliment. So, yeah. No, go on. Yeah, I totally, totally agree. And for me, why it's so important to have that good process and 
to create that great customer experience so that clients do feel comfortable working with me is because firstly, my I'm not cheap to work with. I'm not the most expensive copywriter, definitely, but I'm certainly not cheap to work with. And as someone who has grown their business to um, you know, where it is now, and someone who also has has a family, and it's I appreciate so much when a client invests their money with me because I know that whether they have kids or not, whether they have a family or not, like that money could have gone somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, that money is important. Like it means something, right? It has a lot of value. And so for them to trust me, it feels like a huge responsibility. Like I always feel a huge responsibility. Like this mastermind that I just started, um, it is, it wasn't cheap to join. And I literally, I, I had to sit down and pray to God, like literally pray <laughs> to God that God allows me <laughs> to support these people and help them in the way that they deserve and that the way that I really want to. And let me really, you know, be a source of, um, of support and information for them and let them achieve everything that they want to achieve, right? Because I feel that responsibility so heavily on me. And so if I can invest in myself to be better for my clients, I absolutely will. Yeah, I love that. And I mean, anybody who's listening, who's thinking about like making an investment and why, and, you know, maybe you're feeling a little bit annoyed about like why you have to, you feel like people are always asking you to spend money or you feel like you you can't get to the next level unless you spend money. I just, I, I highly recommend that you just take some time and think about where you want to be as a provider, whether you're, you know, e-commerce brand or you're a service-based brand, but especially a service-based brands. And just make sure you're always kind of up-leveling your skills. As Iman said, you don't always have to go with like the most high expensive investment at first. But, you know, to her point, and what I've experienced as well, is that when I first started investing in myself, it was, they were like small steps, you know, small things here and there. And a lot of times for me personally, those, some of my smaller investments, I was like, nope, that's not what I need. But it wasn't such a big deal because it was a small investment. And then you get savvier over time. You start to understand, okay, this is what I'm looking for. These are the things Mm -hmm. I don't know. These are the things I want to help my client with. And I'm kind of drawing a blank on them. So where can I go and get that knowledge? And I'm completely okay with that knowledge costing money. Because here's the thing. I've considered myself an implementer, someone who takes action, someone who, like you said, I'm, I'm obsessed about like how my client's going to get their result and how they're going to feel about the end of this and what their experience is going to be. And if I'm supporting and I'm the same way, I'm like up praying, like, please, God, let me not be somebody who takes money and doesn't, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, and of course, at the end of the day, there's some, you know, your clients have to do stuff too, but I just want to make sure I'm doing my part. It, It can be over time. It can just be steps up. And my bigger investments have yielded me so much more clarity because I think there's tangible results and intangible results to investing. But we'll get off the investment train for now. If I come back to it, I'll, I'll come back to it. If not, it might appear in a different show. <laughs> so, Iman, let's have you mentor us a little bit. I want you to talk to us about testimonials, okay? Because I listen, I'm, I'm just going to be straight up. I listened to a podcast that you were on, and you're talking about t- testimonials. And I was so happy because I had been, like, stalking your Instagram. And I'm like... I love her testimony. How is she getting these testimonials? And this is something that had been on my mind for like six months. So I was so happy to kind of like look at your page. I'm like, 
this is the answer, you know? And then, um, I was like months ago making my list of people that I wanted to appear on the show. And when I asked you and I started doing research, I heard one of your interviews and I'm like, Oh, this is everything that I've been wanting. <laughs> so I'm trying to wow. do these little segments where we get people to mentor. Cause this is my big thing with this podcast. I want people to feel mentored. I want them to have mentorship on the go. So talk to us about testimonials in particular, how you get them and how you incorporate them in a strategic way in your business. Okay, firstly, thank you for everything that you just said. That's so lovely. So testimonials are a huge part of my business because I really believe in, no one wants to hear me talk about being a good copywriter. Like no one's going to listen to me, but I'm like, oh, I'm a great copywriter. But people are going to listen to you, for example, say that I'm a good copywriter. And that means so much more coming from you, right? Because it's not me saying it about myself. So when other people are saying good things about you, it is so much more believable. And that's really important for people who are interested in working with you. They don't want to hear you brag about how great you are. They want to hear other people talk about how great you are. And also, you know, the results that you've been able to get for them. And so testimonials is a huge part of my business. I really like I when I go into a project I'm thinking about the testimonial that I can get at the end <laughs> because testimonials are money and that's how we should think about it because it makes it so much easier for the next person to buy from you if you have a solid solid testimonial from the client before and you know as many clients as you can as you can have and so the way that I get testimonials is firstly it's in my contract that I will ask for one so everyone is aware from the beginning that I will ask for a testimonial. So it's not a surprise. Everyone's expecting it. And then at the end of the project, I create a survey that is a feedback survey. Yes, but also a survey that allows me to pick out um, a review for me that I can put on my website and my social media, et cetera, et cetera. And so these questions, the, I think the mistake that people make is that the question is always like, you know, did you like working with me or either really like um, yes or no answers that don't leave any room for the person to actually answer the question or you just asking the wrong questions. Like uh, it's all about kind of you, you, you. Whereas what I do now is this survey that I give clients at the end of a, pro of a project is like, you know, tell me what was going on in your life and business when you decided that you wanted to work with me. So at that point, I'm understanding the context and like oh, the journey that brought them to me. So good. Because, right, because what I want to be able to do is show the next client that I understand the struggles that you're going through. And I understand where you've come from. And I understand the journey that you had to get to me. And I do that by looking at the journey that all my past clients had getting to me, the struggles that they had, the goals that they had for themselves, the objectives that they had. So that I always start off with that question. And then I go into various other questions like, you know, um, was there anything that almost made you say no to working with me? And that's a really great question because it allows you to understand people's hesitations and objections around working with you. So, if someone says, you know, they weren't sure about what the process was going to look like, for example, I know that I need to go and make it much 
easier to understand what my process is. So whether that's, that's like working on my service page and like creating, I already have this, but you know, for example, just creating a how this works section so that people don't have that hesitation and that, that um, friction around wanting, wanting to work with me. Or if people are maybe talk about the price point, that's a great, that's a great, it's always a great answer because it is an investment working with me. So sometimes people will say, the thing that almost struck me was the investment. So then the next question is, what helped you overcome that hesitation? And so then they will tell me what their decision-making process was. It was, you know, I realized that this, this is something that I really needed to do for my business. And I trusted that you were the person to be able to do this for me. And so the questions go on like that. And then from this, I build a testimonial and it's often a long testimonial. I think people are scared of long testimonials that they think testimonials should be like two, three sentences. They don't have to be the best testimonials, um, have detail and, you know, context and like really like something that you can sink your teeth into. So then this testimonial that comes out of this survey is a whole journey about how this client, what they were struggling with before they came to me, you know, what, almost stopped them from working with me and then what made them overcome that hesitation and then you know the results that how they found working with me firstly and then the results that they saw and 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 you know what they would say to someone else who wants to work with me for example so it's a whole story and then the point of that story is that the next person who comes and sees it whether it's on my website or my social media or wherever else they see themselves in that testimonial they see their own struggles and their own objections around working with me and their own hesitations and they see this person getting the results that they want to get and so they see this as like a as a mirror of where they are versus where they want to be and seeing that and hearing that come from someone else is so much more powerful than it coming from me than me just describing the situation also just really simple things like having the photo of the person who gave the testimonial like a bit alongside the testimonial is so important because you know, as humans, we're social beings, right? We crave connection and we trust seeing someone else's face, right? We want to see their face and their eyes. And again, that testimonial becomes so much more real when the person can see the face of the person who gave the testimonial. And even things like the description, like, okay, so how do you describe who this person is that gave you the testimonial? Yes, you put their name because we want to know like their name. But what about after? I see a lot of testimonials that say stuff like, I don't know, Florida or United Kingdom. Like, why does anyone care where the person is from? It gives no information whatsoever. Everything that you write has to be super intentional and super strategic. So if you're going to give me something after the name, it needs to be relatable. So for me, I'm always going to put what they do. So for example, Emily Thompson, um, you know, podcast host or business coach or money mindset coach or, you know, membership, membership maker, or membership owner, or course creator, because I want to attract other course creators, other money coaches, other, you know, um, membership owners. And so, again, you're allowing your, you know, future clients, or future customers to see themselves in the testimonials. And then the final part of the testimonial, um, you know, building a business around testimonials, or growing a business around testimonials, that the thing that people always forget is to share them, to actually share them and promote them and to share them regularly. So not just one time and done, share the same testimonials over and over again, because 
firstly, when you post anything on social media, no one, not everyone is going to see the thing that you post, right? So you want to be posting the same uh, testimonials over and over because there are going to be people who missed it the first time. And then, of course, you have new followers every Every day you have new followers. So keep posting those testimonials, uh, whether it's on social media, whether it's to your email newsletter, whether it's on your website. Your website should be full of testimonials and not just a testimonial page. Like They should be sprinkled strategically around your entire website. And so really think about how you can reuse them, even like putting one in your email signature or your autoresponder. Like get creative around how you can continuously share them. That, she said it all. I mean, that's so <laughs> perfect. So seriously, if you guys have been struggling with this, like me, like trying to figure out how to have more robust, more robust testimonials, because this, this was me, I was feeling the same thing. I'm like, you know, it's not really helpful when somebody just says like, she's wonderful. She has like a great personality. It's like, you know, my maybe cynical thinking is like, well, how do I know that's not your friend? (laughs) You know, like that you worked with for Mm -hmm. like an hour or something, you know? And I always want to, I, I love what you said about just attaching it to like your a survey of feedback for you first and foremost, because we're always trying to get better, but then letting them mm-hmm. speak about, you know, what their experience was and not even just the experience within your course or within working with you as, a, you know, you writing copy for them, but also just like what almost made you not do it before you were even we were in a transaction, like what almost made you not do it? What were, what were your hesitations? I love, I love that. You can get a wealth of knowledge as a business owner. So thank you so, so much for that. I definitely feel like she gave me some mentorship (laughs) and that's something that is super (laughs) actionable that I can start taking action on now. I think it's just something that people don't, they don't think about. I mean, I certainly was not thinking about it to that level of detail. So thank you so much for that. It's a really important (laughs) No, you're welcome. Thank you for asking. It's such an important um, question and, and part of growing a business. And I think it's also a really, um, it's not easy. Enough. It's not easy. However, it's a lot easier than a lot of the other options available to you, you know, just focusing on getting great testimonials and sharing them. Right. All right, you guys. So I wanted Iman to come talk to us today about really her entrepreneurial journey because I've loved it. I've been watching it and she's like at that sweet spot of like three years in so she can give us a lot of good juice. (laughs) Mentor us a little bit on how she uses testimonials and I think she did that. So we thank you so much, Iman. And I definitely hope that I can have you come back and we can have more of a copy focused conversation because I have about a billion questions for you still in this file <laughs> on oh, copy. I would love that. Right. I kept thinking, how do I do this? How do I break this apart? And then I thought, you know what? Just ask her to come back. Don't try and make her answer 25 questions in an interview, <laughs> especially not I'll, at the I end of your day. I come back anytime. <laughs> Thank you so much, Iman. We really appreciate you coming today and talking to us. This has been so wonderful and I 100% cannot wait to have you back so we can talk more copy because I personally believe copy is super important in the business. And I think once you can kind of nail copy, whether you're having somebody do it for you or you learn to do copy yourself to a certain point, then I think you're kind of golden. So we definitely have to have that conversation and get some mentorship. Yes, most definitely.
Thanks so much for listening to the Black Girl Business Bar podcast. For more information on Iman Ismail, please visit inkhouse.org.uk, which you can also find in the show notes. Guys, this is my second full interview with somebody, and I have loved the feedback so far from you guys and all of the support and sharing the podcast. If you haven't, I would be super grateful if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I'll be back here once a week, dropping episodes every single Tuesday. So make sure you head to your favorite podcast app and check us out. And if you want more information on me, my name is Khalida Dubose, and you can find me at KhalidaDubose.com. That is spelled K-H-A-L-I-D-A-D-U-B-O-S-E. And as always, if anything in this episode was super inspiring for you or you had an aha moment, we would love to hear about it. You can email me at khalida at blackgirlbusinessbar.com. Thanks, guys.